0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: All right, good morning. Uh, when Pastor Yanizzi asked me to preach a couple weeks ago, I did not think I would be doing sitting down, uh, but here we are. I uh, just want to say thank you for allowing me to be here, allowing me to come to the, the Recharge Conference. Uh, Teens, I know you're probably disappointed to see me talking to you once again, uh, but sorry about that. Um, My voice is a little bit tired, probably from the the conference and yelling at them or crying in pain on the gym floor. I'm not sure which one. Um, But anyway, here we are. Uh, If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to have, I don't want this to discourage you, but this is going to be kind of a long introduction, so get to Matthew 6 and just kind of keep your finger there. For us to understand the text, we have to understand what's happening in this passage and and not just this passage, but throughout Jesus' ministry. And so Matthew 6, if if you know your Bibles, you would know this is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's Jesus' longest recorded message in Scripture, probably also His most famous, and so, so we talk about Sermon on the Mount, like, we'll get there in just a second, but, but the topic of the Sermon on the Mount, the topic of, of what's at hand, and even the, the most popular topic of any of Jesus' messages. And, and if I were to ask you that question, like, what did Jesus talk about the most? Like, we read through the Gospels, what did Jesus talk about the most? For some of us, and myself included, I always thought the answer was money. And he does talk about money a lot, and in fact, in some ways, we're going to talk about that this morning. But the topic he talks about the most is actually the kingdom of God. And in my life growing up, the kingdom of God was something that, that I wasn't sure what to do with. And I feel like we'd get to passages about the kingdom. And it was kind of like they'd explain it, but I don't know if it was just me not really paying attention. Or, but I feel like we kind of would breeze over that. And so Sermon on the Mount is a, is a message that's dealing with the kingdom of God. And, and so for us to understand what we're about to read in, in Matthew 6, we have to understand a little bit of the kingdom of God. Okay, So, so if, you, if you want, you can turn there if you want. It's just probably one page over. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It's a really short verse. But Matthew 4, verse 17 is the first recorded, we'll say, message, though it's not very long, uh, of Jesus in, in, in the book of Matthew. Right? And it says that he went into the country and he was preaching and teaching. And what was his message? His message was this. Repent. Why? The kingdom of God is at hand. Right? So, so here's, here's the thing about the kingdom of God, though. According to Matthew 4, verse 17, it's at hand, and there's going to be a lot of really smart commentators and, and theologians and people who are going to disagree on what it means to be at hand. So I'm just going to give you the two options. Uh, there's kind of three, I guess, but I'll give you the two, and then I'll tell you where I land. Okay? So if we disagree, that's fine. That's just where I'm going to come from this morning. Okay? Kingdom of God is at hand. One uh, interpretation is that it is near, but not quite yet. So, so Jesus comes, he wants people to repent, because there's a day coming when the kingdom of God will be here on earth, and everyone will, you know, we want to repent to be part of that kingdom. Okay, there's another interpretation that would say the kingdom of God is here. Like, Jesus came to earth, and he introduced the kingdom of God. And so at some level, the kingdom of God is here right now. We're in it. And so my interpretation of this would actually be both. That the kingdom of God is here and now. We get to be a part of it. Like, like we're saved into the family of God, but we're also citizens of his kingdom, of a heavenly kingdom, not just his earthly kingdom. And yet, there's a time coming when it's going to be completely, and we see the kingdom of God in all its glory. And so we get a sliver of it, right? We get bits and pieces of it. In fact, right now should be, should be one of the greatest pictures of the kingdom of God we get all week. is the people of God coming together and worshiping his name. And yet, this should make us long for something in the future, right? We should want more of this. We should want more of Jesus and more of his kingdom. Okay, so so Sermon on the Mount is dealing with what? What it looks like to be a kingdom citizen in the here and now. Okay, so you read through the Beatitudes, and and some of us would, would maybe even try to memorize those at some point in our life or whatever, but we would read through those, and what is Jesus saying? He's saying, this is what it looks like to be a kingdom citizen, here on earth, in the, in the right now, this is what we would do. We would, we would pursue and we would search after righteousness. We would be merciful. Like, like we, would, we would be, we would be uh, persecuted for righteousness' sake. Like, this is what it would look like to be a kingdom citizen. Salt and light. When you're living like a, a kingdom citizen, you will be salt and light in the world you live in. Right? So we could just continue walking all the way through Matthew 5 and in Matthew 6, saying this is what it looks like to be a kingdom citizen. But don't be confused. This is a a message to people who have already repented, who already believe in the gospel on how you're supposed to live your life now. This is not a message on how to get into the kingdom. This is not a, hey, if you do these works and and you love other people and you love your enemies and you walk the extra mile and these things that Jesus would say in Matthew 5, that doesn't mean you earned your way into heaven. It doesn't, you don't earn your way into the kingdom. Right? You, Jesus paid for that. Like, we did nothing. Right? Jesus paid for, for our sins. He died on the cross. Like, so we would repent, Matthew 4, we'd put our faith and trust in Jesus and not in ourselves, and that is entrance into this kingdom. That is how we become a citizen of this kingdom. But now we have this message on, this is what it looks like to live as a kingdom citizen. Okay, so, so all that to say, then now we're going to get to Matthew 6, but we're not going to get to our verse just yet. Matthew 6, verse 1. This is, not, this is still intro. Take heed... That you do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Okay, that this phrase, do not your alms, uh, verse 2 continues this idea. But just, just so we understand, this is, uh, Greek would be this idea of mercy giving. We could just broadly speaking, this idea of doing good. Okay, so just, just keep it as broad as we can. You as a kingdom citizen are called to do good. Right? Let your light shine before men that they may glorify God. And it's this good works that's going to happen that you do so that people would see this light so that they would glorify your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so Matthew 6, 1 is just broadly speaking that you would do good, but you would not do good, how, verse 1, in such a way that you'd be seen by men. Okay, so, so there's, there's this way that we can do church in, in such a way that verse 1 would say you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And he gives three specific examples in Matthew 6. He starts by, by giving. So, so you can give in such a way that would be glorifying to God, or you can give in such a way that would be uh, glorifying yourself in front of other people. Okay? He, he talks about prayer. You can have a prayer life, and he talks about going to the closet and praying in secret. Like, you can have that kind of prayer life that is pleasing to God, or you can have a prayer life where you just stand in the street corner, as he would say, and you, you broadcast beautiful prayers so that people will look at you and give you a round of applause. Right? And then he says, the last one there, uh, verse 16 through 18, and how you fast. Right? And if we were to be honest, this is probably the one that we don't do. Right? Hopefully we give, hopefully we pray. Fasting, like, that's, that's another message. I understand that. But it's also something that like, oh, super Christians do that, right? And yet here it is in how to live a, as a kingdom citizen. You would, you would give, you would pray, you would fast. And, and you would do each of those in such a way that it would be glorifying to God and not for the approval of men. Okay. Now, here's what I want us to get, because verse 19 is where we're going to read. Okay, so, so here's, here's the takeaway of Matthew 6, though. We can do things for an earthly reward that do not require money or finances. Right, like, like we are going to read verse 19, and verse 19 is going to sound super familiar. And our temptation, when we read verse 19, is to insert money or finances, and yet we can still have earthly treasure that we long for and we work for and we worship and we do all sorts of things for, and, and it, it could not be money. It could just be the praise of men, because that's actually the context of Matthew 6.1. Okay? So, so I want us to put those lens on as we read now verse 19. Here's kingdom living, here's what it looks like to be a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. This, this, this is where we're at, right? Also, before I before we read verse nineteen, let's just make this intro a little bit longer. Uh, your message tonight is how to develop uh, an eternal mindset. This is, man, I you would think we talked. Um, this is I have no idea what his message was tonight. I didn't tell him what my message was this morning, and this is this is hand in hand. Anyway, verse nineteen. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for this text. God, open up our eyes. Spirit, convict us this morning. Our temptation in this world is to live for earthly things. And and, and Holy Spirit, reveal to us where we fall short on that. God, we want to be good kingdom citizens. And so I pray that you'd help us to grow this morning, help us to be more like Jesus. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Okay, so, so you could kind of say it this way. Don't treasure earthly treasures. Don't set your heart on that. Don't, don't give your life to an earthly treasure. Don't, don't give all your money. Don't give all your time. Don't give all your, like, don't do that. And Jesus gives an answer why. Why should we not set our minds? Why should we not seek for? Why should we not treasure earthly treasures? He tells us. Because those things are so awesome and amazing, you'll never want Jesus. Right? That's what we think. That's not what the text says. Don't live this way. Why? Because moths and rust and, the, and thieves will break through and steal. Like you think about it, you get to the end of your life, you've lived your entire life for some earthly treasure, all for what? All for it to be eaten by a bug. Right? You, you work your whole life for something, and guess what happens to it? It just rusts away. Man, you work your whole life, and, and what do you got for it? You got pretty much nothing. Why? Because a thief broke through and stole. And Jesus is saying, stop living for something that's not eternal. Like, we're, we are part of a different kingdom now. We don't live for this kingdom. We don't live for things that can be stolen and eaten by bugs. Right? And again, Matthew 6.1, what's the context? The context is not just money. But we're going to start with money, okay? Why should we not live for money? Easy. It can be stolen. This past year, uh, someone got into a business account that my brother and I have, and they took $4,000. I called the bank, and they said, sorry, we can't do anything about it. Right? They are just... They said, do you know who did it? And I said, they zelled it to themselves. Yeah, just that person. Like, why is this hard? The bank couldn't do anything about it, right? Not to be political, but there's inflation. Makes your money worth less. Right, we, we work real hard for money, and now it's worth less and less. Uh, even if you get to, to your deathbed, and you die with millions of dollars in your bank account, what good does it do you? Right. And you say, hey, I set up my kids, and yet the statistics would tell us that you only set up about two generations because by the third generation there's none of it left. Right. They just they just blow it. They they spend it on all these earthly treasures. Right? Think about fame. Man, I'm going to live my life because I want to be famous. I want to be an influencer. I want to be on YouTube. I want millions of people to know my name. Right? This I don't lose sleep with this at night, but it does shock me. My kids in that generation, they don't know the name Michael Jordan. <laughs> like I, arguably, I, not even arguably, let's just be honest, the greatest person to ever play basketball who has his own brand. Like, like football teams are wearing the Jordan symbol on their, on their, he didn't even play football, right? And like, so popular, so and yet, the, we're one generation, I watched him as a kid, and my own kids are like, Who's, who are you talking about, Dad? Like, be like Mike and all the commercials, and yet it's, it's gone. Like, you can live for all you want, and yet one generation, we already forget who Michael Jordan is. The, the night the Super Bowl ends, and I know all of you think the Eagles are going to win, like, whatever. But anyway, uh, the, night, <laughs> the night the Super Bowl ends, guess what happens? There's the who's going to win next year post on, on the websites. You don't even get an hour to celebrate your Super Bowl win before we're worried about next year. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, let's live for fame because, because it's, so, it's going to last forever. And yet, really, it doesn't even last a generation. Right? You think about that car. Guess what? It's going to rust. It's going to get ditted. Battery's going to die. Brakes wear out. Starter stops working. you got a house. Man, that dream house that turns into a money pit, you realize? Everything breaks. The roof needs to replace. replaced. A hurricane blows the roof off. Like, like, that's what Florida's going through right now. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you know what? This house that you dreamed about really wasn't worth dreaming about. The car you worked so hard for isn't really worth the effort you put into it. I'm not a designer clothes person, so this one's real easy for me. But people that spend lots of money on your clothes, I know where they end up. They end up in Goodwill, right? Or they end up in the trash, or they end up in my, my garage as a, as a, you know, some rag I get to use when I change the oil, right? So, so, and again, I'm not saying you can't have nice clothes. I'm not saying don't drive a nice car. But what is Jesus saying? He's saying we're not going to work for, we're not going to treasure these things. We're a we're, we're citizen of, of a heavenly kingdom. Why am I so wrapped up in a house or a car or clothes? Okay, so what does he say in verse, verse 20 then? Don't lay up, verse 19, don't lay up, don't work so hard, don't treasure, don't worship, don't give your life towards these things that are going to be eaten by bugs. Verse 20, though, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust, doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So, so just on the face value, there's one that's so temporary. And Jesus says, and then there's one that's Eternal. So, so this work is gone in a moment, and this work is here for eternity. This one is so infinitely more valuable. And yet our lives are so consumed with verse 19. Right, like the commercials and the billboards, and, and you think you're doing really good until your neighbor pulls up and then a newer car than yours, and now all of a sudden it's like, man, I need a newer car, I need a better car. And, and it's, just, it's just our lives. Like we just are bombarded every day to live for earthly things, and yet Jesus is saying, no, 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 we live for a different kingdom. So the question, which will probably be answered really well tonight, is how do we live for this heavenly kingdom? How do we have eternal rewards? Well, just from this context of Matthew 6, right, what do we see? We see, going back to what we kind of already talked about, but in verse 4, there's a way to give, verse 4, that thine alms may be in secret, your giving will be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So there's some sort of reward, and I believe that reward is here and now and also near and not yet, just like the kingdom. And I'm not talking about millions of dollars, I'm talking about a closer walk with Jesus. Right? Like, but we can have that sort of reward, we can have that sort of treasure on how we use our money. Right? So we're gonna to give to missions, we're gonna to give to church planning, we're gonna to give to this church, we're gonna to give to the poor and needy in our community. For the glory of God that they might come to, to know him. Right? Verses five and following talk about prayer. Verse six says what? It says, when you pray, go into the closet and shut the door. Pray to thy Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So I can lay up heavenly treasure, according to this text, by how I give, by how I pray, and same thing in verse 18, by how I fast. Like, I know this is hard because I'm I'm a believer. Do you know how hard it is sometimes to wake up and spend legitimate time in prayer with God? You know how hard it is to give money to, to somebody on the street corner that you think is probably just going to waste it, but God's laid it on your heart to reach out to the poor people in your community. Like, I'm not saying it's easy, but at the same time, I'm not saying it's difficult to understand. Right? right? This, is, this is pretty simple. You give, you pray, and you fast in such a way for the glory of God. Let's not make it hard. I mean, it is hard. Let's not make it difficult. Let's not make it complex. The teams, we spent our last session talking about, uh, a good portion of our last session at least, talking about sharing the gospel. I would think, from the context of, of kingdom living, one way that we could store up heavenly treasure is to invite more people into the kingdom. Hey, we we just had November eighth, right? That's how much I follow politics. I forget the date. Uh, but like, whether your person won or not, guess what? I served someone far greater than that governor. I served someone far greater than that senator. Like, like, why didn't she come be a part of this kingdom with a, with a ruler uh, who is perfect and beautiful and holy? Verse twenty-one. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is what he's saying. He's saying kingdom citizens, heavenly-minded people, will, will, will treasure heavenly things. Right? If you're a kingdom citizen, what are you, what's your treasure? Your treasure is a kingdom, heavenly kingdom thing. Right? So what does that mean? It means if you're an earthly citizen still, and you're not a heavenly citizen, then what does it mean? It means you're going you're gonna to treasure earthly things. So how do I know where my heart is? I know my, where my heart is by what I treasure. Okay, let's maybe break it down this way. If you have a really rough day, right, whatever, whatever your roughest day looks like, uh, stay-at-home mom, the kids don't listen, they make a mess, they destroy the house, like, that's a rough day. Uh, some of you, it's like going to the doctor or the dentist, like, that's the worst thing in the world for you. Um, I got a doctor appointment coming up. That's probably going to be a rough day. Um, you know, like, whatever it is, right, hard day at work, the boss gives the promotion to somebody else. Okay, whatever your rough day is, you come home and you have these thoughts of if only, if only is probably where your heart is. If only I got that promotion. If only my boss would appreciate me more. If only my kids would, would give me a calm and peaceful day once in a while. My if only, this is gonna sound crazy, it's fine, whatever. Uh, my if only is like a mountain in West Virginia because that's like the least populated place I can think of where I can just get away from everybody. Like, like you know, we got, we got a season coming up in Florida where the 10 minute grocery store run is gonna turn into an hour. And, and it's like, man, this season, if I could just move somewhere where there's less people, right. if only. And guess what? I, if, if that were to happen, I go find some hauler in West Virginia uh, where nobody lives, guess what? There's going to be another if only. Right? Because right, the promotion doesn't satisfy. Uh, the, the mountain cabin in West Virginia is not going to satisfy. The peaceful day at home is not going to satisfy. And, and so, so what, what do we need? We need an if only. We need to change the mindset that says, hey, on this rough day, if only I could spend more time in prayer. Man, if only, if only I had more time with Jesus today. Like, like, God, I want more of you on my rough day. <clears throat> I don't need more better cars. I don't need better, more obedient children. I need more of you. And, and that's a heavenly mindset. And yet so often, again, our, our treasure, like, we want to say we love God. We want to say we want more of God. And yet in the, the roughest day of our life, so often it's like, man, if only something earthly would be better. Okay, now we get to verse 22 and 23. I'm just going to say this, if I can say this reverently. Verse 22 and 23 make no sense, right? Like, even in the context. You get to 19, earthly treasure, 20, heavenly treasure, verse 21, treasure in your heart, verse 24, you can't serve two masters. Like, like, all that seems to make sense. And then you get to verse 22, and it says what? The light of the body is the eye. And we're all, I know what we're all thinking, like, praise Jesus. Like, what a wonderful sentence. If thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Like, amen. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness. Like, how does that make sense? How is the light that is in me darkness? Like, what, is, what in the world is Jesus talking about? How great is that darkness? Like, we would say, Jesus, I don't even know what you're saying. And so here's the temptation. Our own personal Bible reading. Maybe even some are preaching the text. The temptation would be just to kind of read over them. Right? Just like, that. Eh, I'm sure they're important. But it seems like a Bible funny Bible saying. Let's just, let's just move on. And, and we're not going to do that. Right? Let's figure out what this means. And, and so praise God that, that we from the text, not this text, but just from the Bible can, can kind of piece together what he's talking about here. Okay? So we're going to start with the phrase, if thine uh, I be evil. First little phrase there in verse 23. If you want to, if you take notes, uh, one, I apologize because I'm really hard to take notes on. I understand that. Uh, but two, I would write down Deuteronomy 15 verses 9 through 11. I'm going to read them for you. If you want to turn there, you can. Deuteronomy 15, 9 through 11. But I'll just read them for you, and and hopefully we'll at least start to get an idea of just the phrase, if thine eye be evil, there in verse 23. Okay? So Deuteronomy 15, 9. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother. And thou givest him not and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Okay, so, so we just, we'll keep reading that text in just a second, but, but we just saw the phrase, right? If thine eye be evil. And, and what's the context of Deuteronomy 15? It says this, this year of release, the seventh year, there'd be a commandment that you would give to the poor, and okay, we're not gonna go down all that. But this person would know that, that what they are commanded to do on the seventh year would be to help out their brother, to help out somebody around them, and they would give of their earthly treasure to, to help this person. And what is uh, Moses writing here in Deuteronomy 15? He's saying that you don't want to give. You're commanded to give. You should give. This person's in need. Like, it's not just you're giving to somebody who doesn't need it. Like, they obviously need it, and you're saying, I don't want to give. So if your eye is evil, seems to have some sort of, of clinging on to, to what you want and not, not being giving. Okay, the the passage would continue. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and and all that thou puttest thy hand unto. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, here's what I think is the opposite of an evil eye, according to Deuteronomy 15. Here it is. Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to thy needy, in thy land. So, so an evil eye seems to be someone who's going to kind of cling to these earthly treasures. I should give this to somebody, but I don't want to. I'm going to cling to it. And the command here at the end of this passage, verse 11, is what? To so open your hand wide. That you would let go of this. It's not a God worth serving. It's not something, it's going it's to be eaten. It's going to be stolen. Like we already understand that passage. So, so open up your hand and, and give it away. Right? We got more passages. Proverbs 28, verse 22. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. I mean, that one's pretty clear, right? If, if, if your goal is to be, as, to be as rich as possible, to get as rich as you possibly can, like, like your life seems to be about wealth and building wealth, and okay, Proverbs is saying what? It says you have an evil eye. It ends by saying you don't consider the poverty that shall come upon you. So, so even Proverbs would say, hey, this evil eye is not a good thing uh, for the fact that you're actually not going to get what you're looking for. But either way, an evil eye in Proverbs 28 seems to be tied to, to wanting more earthly treasure, to be wanting wealth, wanting riches. Matthew 20, verse 15 is our last context, uh, last parallel here. Jesus gives a parable, and he ends his parable with this phrase, and then I'll explain the parable. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? Here's the parable in Matthew 20. There's a, a, a man who owns a field, He hires somebody to work the field, hires multiple people. At 7 o'clock, he hires these guys and promises to pay them a day's wage. At 10 o'clock or whenever, he hires the next group of people. And then at 4 o'clock, everyone's going to end at 5. At 4 o'clock, he hires even more people to get the job done today. And at 5 o'clock, he gives everyone the same payment. Everyone gets a day's wage, whether you worked 10 hours or whether you worked one last hour, you got the same payment. And the guys who worked all day, what did they say? They said, that's not fair. And the owner, Jesus speaking here, but the owner of the field would say what? He says, do you have an evil eye because I'm good or because I'm generous? I gave you what I told you I was going to give you. So so you shouldn't be upset. I decided to be generous and give more to these people. So you're going to have an evil eye because I am a generous landowner. So, So what can we say about this evil eye context right verse 23 if thine eye be evil does it not seem to really fit right into this context of Matthew 6 now your eye is evil when we are consumed with the earthly treasure okay so so then what do we say we can go back to verse 22 uh the light of the body is the eye we're not gonna go down that phrase necessarily this morning but if thine eye be single that that Greek word for single has has the idea of single but also has this idea of whole or complete so, so we would think of one, so you know, single, but you also think of one, like the one whole piece of this. So your eye is complete, which, which would then mean what? It's, it's good, it's perfect, it's, not, it's the opposite of the evil eye. Okay. So if your eye is, is complete, your eye is single, then your whole body is full of light. Like That's a good thing. Verse 23, your eye is evil, you're focused on earthly treasures. What does it say? It says your whole body will be full of darkness. Like, let that sink in the pursuit of earthly treasure doesn't just affect one area of your life. What does Jesus say? He says, your whole body shall be full of darkness. Like, so often we want to say that in some area of my life, like, like I'm going to pursue something, earthly treasure, I'm going to do whatever it is, and it's only going to affect this one area, and yet Jesus is saying, no, 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 your pursuit of earthly treasure affects all of you, not just one area of you. Okay, so let's break that down for just a little bit. Okay, there, there, there's a, we probably know this story. We've probably heard it. We probably have neighbors, family members, even maybe ourselves for a season have done this. Where, where a husband says, hey, you know what? Uh, my wife drives a 1972 Ford that's almost dead. Like we live in a small house. We got kids. We got a growing family. Like I'm going to go make more money. I'm going to go work really hard so that we have a nicer house, a nicer neighborhood for the kids. My wife can drive a nice car. All of those things are great. Like praise God you have the opportunity to do that. And yet, the nicer car comes, the nicer neighborhood comes, the bigger house comes, and yet he still puts in more and more hours. Because all of a sudden, it's not just providing for, for my wife and my kids. Now it's like, I want a bigger boat, and, and I want a second home. And, I, and all of a sudden, it just, the, the idea of providing for family has now just kept growing and growing and growing, and now it's like, what else can we do? So I'll take that promotion at work that now I'm missing my kids' soccer games, I'm not at home for dinner, like whatever it is, and I'm becoming less and less of a father. Why? Because I'm pursuing some sort of money and financial position. Like it affected your whole life that you said, hey, I'm going to chase after nicer and, and more money. Like it affects your whole life, it affects your family. It doesn't just affect one area. Right? We talked about with the teens this week, uh, we, we, we talked about being accepted, like if we think that's a teenage thing, and yet it's a thing for all humans, right? We want to be part of some community. We want friends. We want to be accepted. Man, we will do really dumb things to get somebody to like us, right? Like, like we will say, hey, I'm not going to say certain words, but then all of a sudden, we're part of a group, and to fit in and be accepted, we let words fly out of our mouth that we never would otherwise. Man, we would we'll gossip about one of our best friends just to fit in with that group. And it's like, hey, we think it's just one little area of life. Like, like, I just want to be accepted. I just want people to like me. And all of a sudden, it ruins other friendships. All of a sudden, it's ruining your whole life. And Jesus is saying, like, we're not going to lay up earthly treasure. Why? Because it's going to be eaten by bugs, and Russ is going to take care of it, and thieves will steal it. But we're also not going to live for earthly treasure. Why? Because it ruins your life. One more. Pleasure. Man, we, we live in a world that seeks for pleasure. And it starts with a little bit, and we just want to be a little bit more comfortable. We just want this or that. And next thing you know, we're addicted to something on the computer screen, and we have a marriage that's falling apart. Like, it's not just one area. It affects your whole life. It affects your whole family. Okay, but then he ends with this, in verse 23. How great is that darkness? Here's what's mind-blowing. Right? Jesus, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, has has given us this, this beautiful picture of this kingdom. Like, you read the Bible, you understand who God is, you understand who Jesus is, like, he forgives, he's the creator God of this universe, he's powerful, like, all of these things, and it's like, man, I just want more of Jesus, I want more of Jesus, like, he's good and he's kind. This morning in Will's uh, Sunday school, whatever we call that hour, like, like, walking through gentle and lowly, like, here's a God who's compassionate, who would walk alongside of us, who doesn't just leave us alone, and yet somebody, like, not just here, not just me, but somebody listening to Jesus himself, there on this hillside in Israel would hear the words of Jesus and who would walk away and say, thanks, Rabbi, but I'm just going to keep living for the world. Like, how great is that darkness that would take somebody who's heard the words of Jesus himself and walk away? Like, again, the Christian life is hard. It's not, it's not difficult, it's not complex in, in those ways, but it's hard. Why? Because this darkness this is evil and it's going to keep coming after us. Like, it's not just that we get to heaven, like, we conquer an evil eye once. It's that we deal with this every single day of our life. And Jesus is putting before us, like, no, we live for a heavenly kingdom. Stop living for an earthly kingdom. Stop living for something so temporary. Stop living for something that will literally ruin your life. And yet, I, I would imagine that even today we could read this text, and some of us will leave here thinking, I'd rather live for earthly treasure. Right, because here's the thing, back to Matthew 6 and, and, and how you would give, how you'd pray, and how you fast. I can be guaranteed some reward. Right? I, I could put together a really good prayer that somebody would praise me for. Does it give me an eternal reward? No, but it does give me a reward. And so the, the, the delaying this, this reward for a Heavenly Father and some sort of eternity that I'm not positive what it's going to look like. And maybe I'm not even positive I'm going to get, This is really easy to say, you know what, I'm just going to live for this one now. I'm just, I'm just going to forsake the eternal and live for the here and now, because at least I know it's coming. And yet Jesus is saying, no, get your eyes off the here and now. Verse 24, our last verse, and, and we will be done this morning. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I'm competitive. I told the teens that on Friday night, and then I proceeded to rip my leg apart, um, trying to beat them in a game of kickball. Um, verse 24 is not, it's not reverse psychology. It's not a, hey, you can't serve two masters, and then you say, yeah, yeah, I can. Right? Like in high school, if you wanted me to do something, you just tell me I couldn't. And I, my goal is to prove you wrong. Right? Jesus isn't saying, hey, you can't serve two masters, hoping that the competitive nature inside of us comes out and like, ah, let me prove you wrong, Jesus. Like, no, he created us. He knows us. He's saying, it is impossible for you to do this. You cannot serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other, or you're going to hold the one and despise the other. Right? How often in American churches today do people live it up for the world, walk in the door on Sunday, and think God's pleased with that? Right, like, like, how often is it like, hey, I'm going to live for an earthly kingdom six days out of the week and probably six and a half days out of the week, but that half a day on Sunday, somehow God's going to be pleased with my life. Like, Jesus is saying, no, that, that's not how this works. You don't get to have both. I find it interesting, this last phrase, you cannot serve God in mammon. Like, like, what an interesting word that Jesus would use. You think about mammon in the Old Testament. It was bread from heaven. It was never meant to be worshipped. You were never meant to pick up the bread off the ground and be like, oh, look at this bread, it's awesome, it fell from heaven, let me worship it. Like, this bread would be gone tomorrow. Literally, it would be moldy and bugs and all the other things that would would happen the next morning. It was never meant to be worshipped. But what was it given to you for? It was given to you for that you would worship the one true God, the God who sent it. And so there's all these earthly things that we can love and we can enjoy as long as they stay in their place, which is what? That is a good gift from God. So let me worship the God who gave me the gift and let me not worship the gift. And yet we so easily will allow ourselves to just fall into worshiping the gift. So, so this morning, I would encourage you, get your eyes off the earthly things. Get your eyes off the temporal things. Get the eyes off the things that will literally ruin your life and get them on, get them on Jesus. Get them on, on him. Get them on his kingdom. Like May we live with eternity in mind. So that we, at, at standing before Jesus' throne in a, in a complete and perfect body, we get to stand before him and, and there's some reward, there's some good that we have done for all eternity. May we not be living uh, Matthew 6, 19. May that not be true of us. May we be kingdom citizens who are kingdom minded who live for eternal rewards. Let's pray and then I'll hand it back over to Pastor Eunice. Jesus, we thank you for your words. Throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, you you, you gave a clear message of what it looks like to live for your kingdom, what it looks like to be a, a, a kingdom citizen. I pray that you'd help us this morning to, to grow in our kingdom citizenship. May we be better citizens of your kingdom. May we look more like Jesus. The temptations to live for this world are all around us. God, keep our focus on you. I pray that this church, there would be Uh, friendships, there'd be accountability, there'd be a reminder every week to get our eyes off of of this earthly world and put it on your heavenly. I pray that you would use this church to reach this community, that the good works that this church does would go forth and shine brightly. I pray that people would come in here and see a glimpse of heaven. They'd see a glimpse of the kingdom. God, as we go out this week, help us to mind and seek after and pursue heavenly treasures. We love you, we thank you again for this text and for this time together in your son's name we pray,
2: amen. Amen. Say amen, church. Amen. Thank you, preacher, appreciate that. That was on point. pay attention to this, not sure how much you're aware of this, but that text of scripture is extremely necessary for the church today because the kingdom, it's, it's all about the kingdom of God. Every bit of it, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. And it's something that eludes us, right? It's something that we lose focus of sometimes. What Jesus is saying there, as our, our friend just shared, it's all about kingdom living because we're to be kingdom people, right? That's what the whole Sermon of the Mount's about, chapter 5, 6, and 7, kingdom living. And I appreciate his definition of it because it is a little bit now and a little bit then, right? It's not that we're praying for it. It's already here. And the reality of it, you know, is revealed a little bit more every day. and We need to do our part. And the best way to do that. follow the text of scripture especially the part he just shared it's all about the heart right it's all about the heart and it's about every time we come together that you know it's just 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 a little bit more of a glimpse of what eternity is going to be so let me ask you to do this I want you to consider your part in this message what part of this message touched my heart today and Lord what do I need to do with it how do I appropriate this what do I need to begin to practice or exercise in my life because that's what it's all about, right? You know, a message from the head reaches the head, a message from the heart reaches the heart, a message from the life reaches the life. And when Jesus spoke, it wasn't to affect your head, it was to affect your life, you know? And it it might have to go through the head into the heart so that it's revealed in our life.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today.